Okay, guys, we're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're in lesson 2. We're going to talk about reminders today. And so, you know, this is like a typical letter. You've got to remember, this is a letter. So he's going to start out introducing who he is. We've already looked at that. He started out with a prayer of thanksgiving for them. Now he's going to proceed to kind of remind them about some things. Now, I want you to remember... This is probably the first of Paul's letters that we have where he wrote this church. So this is written a few months after, while he's in Corinth, probably six or seven, eight months, maybe maybe up to a year after he was in Thessalonica, after he had planted the church. So he wants to remind them of some things. And, and to be honest with you folks, I don't know if you realize this, but I know it's very true in my life. We have to be continually reminded about things about our spiritual lives. We have to be continually reminded about salvation. We have to be continually reminded about the issue of forgiveness. What is forgiveness? We have to be continually reminded because we forget. We go through life. We go through our normal schedule. We even mess up and we forget basic truths of that really affect who we are and how we see ourselves and especially affect our relationship with God. So we have to be reminded of some things. And that's what Paul's doing here in this letter. He's reminding the Thessalonians of some key things that they need to be aware of. So let's, first of all, I want you to notice with me, he's going to talk to them about the gospel being shared with them. Okay, so look with me at verses 1 to 12. He writes, For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. But even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. For our exhortation did not come with error or uncleanness, nor was it in deceit. But we have been approved by God to entrust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness. God is our witness. Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother cherishes her own children. So affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our lives, because you had become dear to us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil, for laboring night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. We preach to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses in God also how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know, as you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children, that you walk worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. All right, so let's take a look at this. First of all, the gospel shared. He's going to call them to remembrance. Paul reminds the Thessalonians that his coming to them was not in vain. 
Sometimes you and I need to be reminded that people enter into our lives not by circumstance or not by chance. And he's wanting to remind them, look, I entered into your life not by faith, not just out of just out of just it happening. It was by purpose. God purposes it. So if you think about the people that you come in contact with each week, even the irritating people, okay? And, and I trust that you have irritating people in your life each week, right? Okay? Some of you don't? Okay? So the fact of the matter is, is that God has a purpose for them. He has a purpose for your life. So even sometimes, you know, you've got your week planned out, and you know that you're going somewhere, or you've got this going, and then all of a sudden some circumstance happens, some interruption happens, and you end up somewhere where you didn't plan on, and you're like, why do I have to go through this this week? Why am I here at the repair shop? Why did I have to go to Walmart when I've already been there? Why? Why? You ever ask those kind of things? You need to recognize that God sometimes has a purpose for you being where you are. And so Paul's saying to them, look, I, I, don't want you, I don't want you to think that my coming to you was in vain. God had a purpose for him coming there. You know, so God has a purpose for your life, and God has a purpose for the people who come into your life. He goes on, he talks about his suffering in Philippi. Remember at Philippi, remember they, they cast a demon out of that girl who was a uh, basically a, a medium who, who could tell the fortunes, and they ended up in prison being beaten. This is what Paul's referring to here. He said, in spite of suffering much in Philippi, Paul and his companions were bold to share the gospel. All right, stop for a moment. You ever shared the gospel with somebody and it turned out negative? I mean, like they really were not happy. They maybe dressed you down. And, uh, you know, it was like a really negative experience. Now, let me ask you a question now. How many of you, after that negative experience, were sheepish about sharing the gospel again with somebody else? Were you sheepish? Yeah, okay, I'm glad to hear you say that, because if you're normal, you would be. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you're normal, you're like, I don't want to go through that again. I don't, I don't want to go through, what if, what if the reaction's worse the next time? You know what I'm saying? And, but here, notice something. They went through probably the most extreme suffering for sharing the gospel in the last city. When they showed up in Thessalonica, guess what? They were just as bold to share the gospel the next time. They didn't allow the negative experience of what happened before to keep them from sharing the next time. And aren't we glad that they went ahead and shared the next time because they were able to plant a church? I guess that's the lesson for us here. Just because you've had one bad experience, don't let that bad... Well, you might say, well, I've had 10. Well, even if you've had 100, don't let the 100 bad experiences keep you from sharing the next time because you don't know what the next time might bring. It might actually bring somebody needing to hear what you have to share. Do you understand what I'm saying? Needing to hear the message of the gospel about the message of forgiveness. Now, he goes on, Paul stated that their message was not a result of error, lies, and uncleanness. So he's saying, look, what we shared to you 
The message of salvation that we gave you was not the result of lies. It's not the result of error or even uncleanness. Now, what in the world is he talking about uncleanness? Well, he's talking about that it's something contrary to the law, contrary to what God wants. So here's what I want you to understand. Part of the deal with you and I sharing the gospel is you've got to believe it. You understand what I'm saying? You've got to be convinced about it. Because if you're not convinced about the gospel yourself, you're not going to do a pretty good job sharing it. Do you understand what I'm saying? If if you're convinced that salvation is through Jesus Christ alone, that's going to come out when you share with people. But if you're just sharing with them and you're not even convinced yourself, it's not going to have any impact. Paul says, we showed up there and our message wasn't from error. He's basically giving a testimony to himself about what he was sharing. It's not with error. It's not unclean. It's not with deception. Okay? Not with deception. It was not a result of lies. So he stated that the message was not the result of error, lies, and uncleanness. So you've got to be convinced about the gospel. So can I ask you a question? How do we get to a place where we're not convinced anymore? Thought about that? It happens. How do we get to a place where we're not convinced about the message ourselves anymore and and we just kind of share it half-heartedly? Anybody? Yeah. Okay, so Bruce says we let doubts come in and we pay attention to the doubts rather than looking at what the Scripture says. That's pretty good. Anybody else want to add to that? How do we get there? How do we get there where we're not convinced anymore? Okay, so you begin to doubt God based upon the circumstances that that you're facing because what you wanted, he's not doing. Okay, that's good. Anybody else? Okay, that's good, Gene. We're not. And I would. I would go beyond that and say we're not spending enough time in the relationship with him. The relationship with him is not real because prayer and Bible being in the Word is all part of the relationship. What were you going to say, Rob? Same thing as Gene. Okay, she stole your thunder. Okay, all right. Yeah. So you understand. Think about it for a moment. So how you are, how you, how you view the gospel, how dear it is to you, impacts the way that you share with others. That's really the point here. If you're convinced that this is the message that they need, it's going to come out of your life. You're going to be passionate about it. Now, I'm not saying you're going to be fanatical about it, but I'm going to say, you, you know what I'm saying, you're going to believe it. But if you don't believe it, people know, people can see right through you if you don't believe it. Isn't that true? Did you know what I'm saying? People can see right through you. Now, he stated that they had been entrusted by God with the gospel. So he's saying, we had been entrusted by God with the gospel. Stop for a moment, folks. That's exactly what's happening with you. When you became a believer and you understand that salvation 
is by faith alone in Jesus Christ, not based on anything that I've done or what anybody else does, you too have been entrusted with the gospel. You have been entrusted with a sacred message. You have been entrusted with a message that is going to spare a lot of people a lot of grief forever. Do you understand? You've been entrusted with that same task. And so I think sometimes we need to recognize that. Now, the, the, the issue is, is that we think about those things and we say, oh, I do not want to be like that. And we always, here's how we are, we always react to the other extreme. We swing the pendulum. That's one extreme. We swing the pendulum all the way over to the other extreme where we don't do anything now. We don't talk to anybody now. We don't even bring up the gospel. Somebody's going through a rough time. They don't know what to do. They need somebody to hang on to. We've got the answer. Guess what? We don't share. And we've got the message. So we've, we've actually gone to the other extreme to where nobody knows anymore now. Did you know what I'm saying? Nobody knows anymore. And, and, that's, and I think that's very indicative. Like, you know what? I've been noticing things. In our culture, we have a generation of people that have no clue about church whatsoever. So I'm in a, in a, uh, I'm in a lobby somewhere in, 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 in an airport, and there's music in the background, okay? And I always play American music, and it's a country song. And I don't know what the song was about, but this one line caught my attention. And the line was, and you go to church because your mama wants you to. That's all I heard. Now, I don't know the rest of the song. Maybe you know the song, okay? Don't tell me what it is. I just caught that one line. And I thought, that's how the world views it. You go to church because your mama wanted you to, okay? And, and that's what people's concept of church is. So they don't go to church anymore. They don't have any clue. Their kids don't have any clue. They think it's weird. Because we've gone to where we were sharing it all the time to an extreme to where now we don't share about it at all. Do you understand what I'm saying? We don't talk about it at all. But Paul states they had been trusted with the, by God with the gospel. Folks, you and I have been entrusted by God with the gospel. That's a responsibility. Let's go on. He said he shared the gospel to please God rather than pleasing men. He shared the gospel in order to please God rather than pleasing men. Stop for a moment. That's the reason why you share. It's not because the preacher told you to. It's not because some Sunday school class emphasized that. It's because you're sharing God because you want to please God in your life. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know, when I first became a Christian, I was introduced to a discipleship tool from the navigators about the balanced Christian life. It was called the wheel. Now, how many of you have heard of the wheel? This would have been a long time ago. The wheel was, the, the, the spoke in the middle was Jesus. He was the hub. And then you, you had actually had four spokes, and then the, the, the outer part of it was the balanced Christian life. And there were four parts to a balanced Christian life. One was reading, the second one was prayer. The third one was giving. And then the fourth one was sharing your faith. I want to be honest with you. 
most of our lives, and that includes me, are totally out of whack as far as the balance in our life because we neglect one area, and that's simply sharing the gospel with others. And why do we need to share it? Because we want to please God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because he's called us to do this. He gave us a commission. This isn't an option. He wants you to go and make disciples. He wants you to tell other people about Jesus Christ. Tell the people you work with. You know, so oftentimes we think it's the hired guy's responsibility. But hey, I've told you before, you collectively will meet more people this week than I will in a year. Did you understand what I'm saying? Simply because of the number of people that you meet. You'll meet people that I'll never meet ever. As long as I, if I live here another 20 years, I probably will never meet them. And you know that they're not going to go to church. You know what I'm saying? So he wants to please God. Question is, do we want to please God rather than men? He did not share the gospel with flattering words or with greedy intent. This talks about the manner in which he shared it. He didn't want to share it with greedy intent. He wasn't interested in what he could get out of it. Let's stop for a moment. So let's talk about ourselves as a church. Hey, we're recognizing that we're deficient in this area in our congregation. Doing evangelism. But I'm going to be honest with you. The reason for doing evangelism can't be because we want to have more people fill in seats here. Do you understand what I'm saying? It can't be because we want to have more people giving in the offering so we can make ends meet. That should never be the reason. Do you understand what I'm saying? It should only be because we want to do what God wants us to do and we've got the message of the gospel for other people. Do you understand what I'm saying? We've got the message of salvation for them. That has to be our motivation is because we care for people, not because we care whether or not we have enough people here in the church. It has to be because you want to see people get saved. Do you understand what I'm saying? You want to see them escape the fires of hell. So Paul said they didn't share the gospel with flattering words, trying to convince them. Do you know what I'm saying? He shared it so that they would hear. You know, and, and there are groups that share it with flattering words. They're kind of deceptive. What do you mean? Well, I remember when I was pastoring in Canada, I was working out in the front yard, and I was doing something there, and the Jehovah Witnesses came by. You guys ever have Jehovah Witnesses show up at your place? Okay. Well, I knew who they were, because you can always tell who they are. Who dresses like that during the week, okay? Like they're going to church. So, and then they showed up, and, and she, she had one of those Awake magazines. You ever seen the, the, the okay? And it had to, something to do with hemophilia, was the cover. And she said, sir, would you like to have some information on hemophilia? And I said, um, no, I'm really not interested. You're not interested in hemophilia and, and what it's doing with people and the need? I said, no, I didn't say I wasn't interested in hemophilia and I wasn't interested in uh, what it's doing and the needs of people who have it and the health issue. I said, I wasn't interested in that. I'm just not interested in what else you have in that document. And then I thought to myself, you know, if it's truth, you don't have to deceive people to get them to see it. Do you understand what I'm saying? You don't have to be deceptive about it. Paul's saying, 
that they shared the gospel not with flattery, not with greedy intent. They, they, were, they just shared it because they knew that's what people needed for their lives. Folks, we've got to wake up sometimes and think that we've got to share it because we know that's what people need. Now, when I say share it, can I be honest with you? Don't be belligerently stupid about it. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can do it in a kind, loving way. You don't have to be an idiot about it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Nobody told you to be that way. You do have to share it in a way that people understand that you're concerned for them. Okay? Let's go on. Here's what he says. He was not seeking glory from men when he could have made demands as an apostle. This is the manner in which he operated among them. He said, look, I didn't act like the big shot among you. He said, I could have made certain demands as an apostle, but I didn't do that among you, demanding things. Do you understand what I'm saying? He wasn't pushing his position. And believe me, he could have. Do you understand? He could have. He was the apostle. He could have done that, but he chose not to. So what you see here is a very humble man who's only interested in one thing, sharing the gospel with others because he wants to please God. Do you understand? That's all he's interested in. He's not interested in his position. He's not interested in what he can get out of it. He didn't seek glory from others. So then he goes on and he says, this is how he was with them. He stated that he handled the Thessalonians like a nursing mother with her children. Have you ever watched mums with their little ones? Now I know that there is some there are some cases of some really extreme bad parenting, but for the most part, if you watch mums with their little ones, they're pretty what? Protective doing whatever they can for that little one. Do you know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, I've been a pastor now 20 years. I've watched newborn moms, their first ones come to church. It is amazing how they are. Now, when they have the third or fourth one, they don't care anymore. But when they have the first one, they're like, everybody's evil, stay away. But I know I'm supposed to be here, right? And, and why? Because they're doing whatever they can to care for that little one, to protect that little one. Paul said, this is the same way I was with you guys. I was interested in your well-being like a nursing mother. This is what Paul's saying here. You know, this is how he was with them. He was concerned for them. Then, because of his, infection, of his, because of his affection for the Thessalonians, he imparted the gospel and his life. Now, let me just stop for a moment. This is what he's saying here. This is where I think is the key thing that is the difference between the way we used to do evangelism and the way that we need to do it now. He wasn't just interested in sharing a message. He was interested in sharing his life. He took it one step further. He didn't just share with them and, okay, you're okay now, see you later, hope we meet in heaven. He was interested in imparting his life to them becoming involved with them right where they were at. That's what he did with the Thessalonians. He imparted his life. So oftentimes, the way that we approach evangelism is so anti-relational. 
It's, it's the thing that we've got to do. And if they respond, praise the Lord, wonderful. But then we don't know anything more about them. In fact, we wonder why, why they decided not to go to church anymore or why they decided to leave Christianity. He's talking about here that he imparted his life into them. He invested in them. I think that's what's needed from us is investing in people's lives, right? Helping them. Now, here's the thing. You may want to write this one down. A lot of the reason time why we don't do that is because ministry is messy. It's not perfect. What do you mean by that, George? Because people are messy. And, and sometimes investing your life in someone may require you investing in someone who maybe needs a little bit more attention in an area than you want to give. Do you understand what I'm saying? Maybe it, it's frustrating. It's, it calls for something more. Do you understand what I'm saying? Paul was willing to do that. The question is, are we willing to do that? We're so focused on ourselves, the investment in people needs to be there to help them, to help them. Let's go on. So here's what he did. He reminded them that he and his companions labored to support themselves. So here's, here's what I want you to notice. Here's what Paul did. It's interesting. He could have done this like the other apostles. When he showed up, he could have said, okay, guys, you need to help me to be able to be here. No, he didn't do that. He went to work. Why? Because this is the what he did in every one of the churches that he started. He didn't want them to be the ones to support him. He wanted to be able to minister to them without feeling like they were obligated. Do you understand what I'm saying? So he did what he had to do. They labored to support themselves. This is one of the things that Paul did. Let's go on. The Thessalonians are witnesses to how Paul and his companions behaved among them. That's the other key thing, is how, they how you live your life among them. Paul behaved in such a way that it exemplified what the gospel was saying. Do you know what I'm saying? He didn't lead a, duplicis, a duplicate life. Listen, can I be honest with you? Some of you folks love some of the TV preachers. I know that because I see it in your Facebook feed because you share their stuff. You need to look at how they live their lives. Just because the message seems okay to you doesn't mean that it is. Because it's more than just the message. It's the life communicating the message. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? Paul's saying here, look, you witnessed how we lived our life among you. So it's not just the message he's talking about. He's talking about how they lived their lives among them. Stop for a moment. Think about that. The people that you want to share the gospel with, how are you living your life among them? Could it be that they're turned off to Jesus not because of your message, but because of the way you live your life? Do you understand what I'm saying? Paul said, you witnessed how we were among you. Paul reminded them that he dealt with them as a father cares for his own children. So he, he, he dealt with them, he, he guided them like a father would guide his own children. So here's what he did. He, he exhorted them to walk worthy of the God who called them to salvation. You know what? This is in 1 Thessalonians. It's also in Ephesus. In the Ephesian letter. You and I are to walk worthy of the gospel. All right, so stop for a moment. You know how you live your life this week? You know how you live your life? 
You know how you are at Walmart. You know how you are at the restaurant. You know how you are at home. You know how you are by yourself. Are you living your life in a manner worthy of the salvation that you've been given by God? Do you understand what I'm saying? Are you living your life in a manner worthy of the salvation that you've been given by God? That's the point here. And I think, to be honest with you, all of us, including myself, can stand rebuked when we read this. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because are we living our lives in such a way that is worthy of him? Now look with me at verse 13 through 16. He's going to talk about the gospel received. For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God, which are in Judea in Christ Jesus. And you also suffered the same things from your own countrymen, just as they did from the Judeans, who killed both the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us. And they did, do not please God and are contrary to all, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they may be saved so as always to fill up a measure of their own sins, but wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. So let's talk about it. First of all, the reception of the gospel. Paul thanked God that the Thessalonians received the gospel as the truth of God. Hey, you know what? We're going to have communion later. And as always in our communion service, we give an opportunity for you to express some thanks. I'm always amazed. I'm always amazed that people will remain silent when they could at least be thankful about one thing. The gospel. Salvation. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, maybe life isn't going great right now. Maybe things aren't going wonderful Maybe you're in some difficulties and you're frustrated. Maybe you're even struggling with doubts. But there is at least one thing you can be thankful for, right? That Jesus saves. See, this is the thing. Paul, Paul thanked God that the Thessalonians received the gospel. You know, you know what I'm saying? That the Thessalonians received the gospel. Here's the other thing. Like the churches of Judea, they have suffered from their faith from their own countrymen. Hey, listen, folks, can I be honest with you? I know people don't care about your Jesus. I know that to some extent you suffer as well. But that's the biblical norm. That's what he's saying here to the Thessalonians. You're suffering from your own countrymen, just like the Christians in Judea were suffering from the Jews. This is normal. Recognize that. This is normal. Let's go on. He said, the Judeans killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets. The Judeans killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets. He goes on and says, they persecuted Paul and his companions and did not please God. They forbid Paul and his companions from sharing with the Gentiles. Have you ever had somebody tell you, don't ever bring that up again? I don't want to talk about that. If you're in my house, don't talk about that anymore. You ever had somebody tell you that? I've heard that. 
That happens. You're not alone. And then he goes on and he says, they are completing the number of their sins and are marked for the wrath of God. Here's what I want you to understand. When people reject you, Paul gives a eternal perspective here. They are just completing the number of their sins and they're marked for the wrath of God. So you just need to keep praying for them. Keep praying for them. Now next week, we're going to talk about Paul and his relationship with Timothy. Timothy.